0: And is intercepted by Sam
2: Mills. Steve oh. Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up close to the end zone. Olsen, touchdown.
0: <laughs> Brian Burns to the house. And it is caught for the touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. He pounded on three. One, two, three. He
2: All right, Panthers fans, welcome back. It's another edition of the Roar Podcast right here on Blue Wire. How y'all doing tonight? John Ellis, Billy, Marsha with you as always. We've got a special guest tonight. Boy, we've had some good guests on lately. We had uh, Bill Foth last night from Panthers.com joined us. Matt Bowen last week from ESPN. Another big name here. Dane Brugler from The Athletic doing some great work over there with his, uh, what I consider to be some of the most comprehensive draft work you can find online. He's got a new mockout. You can check him out uh, at his Twitter page. Dane, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. really appreciate you guys having me on. It is our pleasure. Uh, Billy and I have been following your work, of course, uh, for a long time. And uh, no better time to talk to you than than draft season. Here we are, right around the corner. Of course, a lot of things happening in Carolina, as you might have heard. Sam Darnold uh, Hmm. has landed. There's a lot of mixed feelings in the fan base about what that situation might turn into. But I was fascinated by... Your recent mock draft in which Slater was taken, and, and you did mention Justin Fields, uh, there's some buzz out there. I, I've heard the same buzz as well. I know you've heard it that if Fields was still there, they could consider it. What are you hearing, and, and what's your gut feeling on Carolina's draft at number eight? Well, yeah, there's
3: different opinions around the league uh, that you hear, and some think that the, the Panthers are in position to, uh, if the right quarterback is there, uh, maybe – draft that position uh, at number eight, throw multiple darts at the board uh, in your quest of getting the the quarterback position. Right. I I don't know that that's the most likely scenario. It's probably not the most likely scenario, but it is something that NFL teams are talking about as a possibility. Um, You know, the chance to move down has to be enticing, Uh, you know, Mm -hmm. not move down too far, Uh, stay within, uh, you know, distance of one of these key players that they want to add um, you know, but if they stay at number eight, I think, you know, offensive tackle, uh, unless Kyle Pitts is there, if Kyle Pitts is there, all bets are off, okay. but, uh, offensive tackle, uh, seems like that makes, uh, a ton of sense. Uh, you look at left tackle, uh, Penny Sewell, Rashawn Slater, either one, probably an upgrade, uh, pretty quickly, uh, once they arrive in Carolina. So, you know, it's, uh, Sam Darnold is, uh, it's a, it's a tough conversation because we just don't know, the last three years, obviously we know it's on film, but we don't know um, how broken he is he, Uh, you know, what has he been like, uh, you know, between games, during the week preparation, uh, you know, the way he sees the game, uh, you know, is he, I I think the Jets, uh, you know, the resetting and moving on from him that best for all parties. I'm I'm really interested to see what Sam Darnold we see uh, in Carolina this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, It just, I think it's going to be an upgrade over what we saw in New York, but how much of an upgrade? What's the ceiling like? Uh, So a lot of questions there. It's going to make it really interesting with the Panthers at number eight.
1: So Dan, let's stick on these offensive tackles here for a second. Uh, I mean, this this is a position that I know that they've, I mean, they've been going to a bunch of pro days, no surprise, but um, they were obviously at Sewell's pro day, they were at Slater's pro day, they were at Darrasaw, and I think they were at Jenkins' pro day too. Um, But let's stick to the top two guys. Um, there's been some talk. I don't know how accurate it is or not that Slater could be preferred in Carolina over Sewell. Um, how much do you buy that? Like, do you see some teams in general having Slater higher ranked than Sewell? And what kind of stands out about him uh, more than uh, you know the left tackle from Oregon, Sewell?
3: Yeah, I, I do know. I, I don't know. How, I specifically don't know how Carolina feels, but I do know how several uh, other teams feel. And there are some teams that view Slater as the top tackle this year. Um, I think there are more teams that are uh, in the Sewell camp as being OT1. Uh, and a big part of that is just for such a young player, you know, being 20 years old and dominating like he has. um I mean, the guy weighs three hundred and thirty pounds, and I don't know where he puts it. It's kind of crazy <laughs> uh, when you just look at his body type. Um, yeah. I, I, I just don't know. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, but really, uh, moves well. Not just physically, as he he's impressive, but also mentally. Um, he can make those split second adjustments. Um, you know, he the way he sees the game, the way he can play. Uh, you know, with just different pressure packages. It's um, really impressive player at such a young age, and so you feel like he's going to get better and better as he matures physically and mentally, uh, even more so. But with Rashawn Slater, uh, he's just he, – he, there's some you – know, there's a little bit of Zach Martin to his game where I think if you moved him inside, he could be, you know, like an all-pro guard, but uh, he can play outside of tackle. You know, he hit that 33-inch threshold at arm, uh, for the arm length. Uh, he moves well with his steps. Uh, what I love most about him is how he stays in front against pass rushers, Uh, you know, before they can make a move, he's on top of them, uh, shutting them down. Uh, Mm -hmm. His ability to reset on the move is so, so impressive. Uh, Very technically sound uh, with both his hands, his feet, uh, his eyes. It's all married together. He's rarely off balance. It's both both these guys really Sewell and Slater. You rarely see these guys uh, off balance or uh, definitely don't see them on the ground. It's just, it's just not how they play the game. Um, but I, I can understand why some would prefer Slater, but Sewell, there's, there's too much when you factor in the upside, you factor in uh, the traits that he has right now and what you could do with a player like that uh, over the next you know, 10 years of your franchise.
1: Let's just uh, play out a hypothetical here that either Carolina trades down and they take um, one of the corners. Hmm. We'll leave that discussion for later. Or if Kyle Pitts drops and they take him... Um, at number eight, who are some of the second tier offensive linemen that you see um, that could be a good fit for them, whether it's Cosme, Eikenberg, Little, uh, I mean, Dylan Radunes was a guy I really enjoyed watching at the senior bowl. Um, do any of those guys stand out as potentially one being available in the second round? Carolina does have a top 40 pick. Um, and two, like which one of those are probably your
3: favorite? Well, I think it's a really interesting conversation about who's, who's going to be there because there's so many split opinions on these tackles um, after you get past the top two, a lot of teams like Christian Derrissaw, a lot of teams, uh, you know, they're, they've got other players uh, above Derrissaw. There's no consensus of these tackles. And I think that's what fans need to really understand. Uh, and that's, that's true at several positions, wide receiver. After you get the pass the top three um, pass rusher uh, from one to eight is very, very, very different team to team. Um, And offensive tackle, once you get past those top two guys, it is very different from three to seven, three to eight um, in the offensive tackle rankings. Some prefer Cosme, some prefer Alex Leatherwood. Uh, you know, there's a, a lot of teams really like Brady Christensen and what he brings. Uh, it, it's just wildly different. And so I think that we're going to see some, maybe some surprises uh, on, on draft day, uh, draft weekend, uh, Thursday, Friday, with the order of some of these positions. You know, who's going to be that fourth receiver off the board? Who's going to be that uh, third and fourth tackle drafted? Uh, there, there's going to be some surprises here that, uh, are going to kind of play into, uh, you know, who's going to be available there in the second round. If the Sam Cosme lasts that long, if he does, I think that would make a lot of sense for, for the Panthers, uh, you know, a guy that started left tackle, right tackle. Um, you know, I don't know how much the big 12 roots, uh, will matter with Matt rule. Uh, just, you know, being at Baylor when, when Cosby was at Texas and seeing a little bit of him, I don't, you know, I don't know how much that would factor in. Um, but, uh, you know, with, uh, with Cosme, he's a guy that, at six, six, not the longest player, 33 inch arms, but explosive athlete, the way he moves lateral quickness is outstanding. You worry about the base strength a little bit, but he's so uh, very smart at using his body to his advantage, sinking, uh, to create that, that anchor to you know, buckle down, halt, uh, bull rushers, uh, just very natural at, you know, understanding the biomechanics, of, uh, of his body and just the movements and the way he can maximize his potential. And so if he doesn't go in the first round, I think early second round would make a lot of sense. And uh, when you look at, look at the Panthers, I, I think that's a natural fit. And Burglar is our guest from the athletic uh, does great work on the draft side.
2: And is just a fantastic resource. Uh, I got a question for you about these corners. I mean, obviously it's always a hot topic. First round corners last year, Jeff Okuda was kind of a guy I wanted Carolina, to take a chance at. And they, they, they didn't get around to that. Obviously they took him much earlier with Detroit there and, and, and Jeff struggled at times. So, I mean, it's, it's hard to mm-hmm. know which one of these guys, whether it's JC Horn, Patrick Sertan, I mean, even Caleb Farley with, with the back issues that came up, I was very high on him. Still am. How many do you see going maybe top 15 and, and which one of those do you think has,
3: I would say the highest ceiling of, of that group that's the toughest part about doing this from the outside in is, you know, these rankings are generic, Um, not having a specific scheme to scout for, or a -hmm. culture or a fit or role. Um, You know, it's, it's just very generic. And so, you know, I can write up Patrick Sertan and write how, you know, he's a, pretty good in zone, but I think he's probably projects best as a press man corner. And, right. you know, but it, it's the rankings are going to be different from team to team based on what they're looking for. It, to me, Patrick Sertan is the top corner in this draft. Um, you know, for a guy that's 6'2", 208, tested really well. Um, uh, he's technically sound. He was groomed for this at a young age. And, you know, a guy that uh, in 41 career games at Alabama gave up four touchdowns in his career. Um, you know, anybody that goes to Alabama and starts early as a true freshman for Nick Saban, that says something about them. Yeah. Um, and with Sertan, it's like the game just kind of slows down for him because he mm-hmm. trusts his technique so much. Um, he, he, trusts his ability. And so it, it just, the, the way he plays is really, really impressive. There's no panic in his game. Uh, now I, I wish he was a little twitchier and you see that with explosive route runners, and how they're able to create these little pockets of separation. Um, now he's able to recover quickly, but uh, in the NFL, it'll be just you know it, it, those those windows will matter. And so uh, because of that, you know I, I think with with Sertan, that's why you know he's not a top ten lock or you know a guy that we viewed as a top five player, a uh, really good player. But you know you just wish he was a little twitchier uh, at the top of routes. Um, JC Horn, he's also in that mix in the top fifteen. Another guy, size. Okay, check that box. Six one two oh five. Speed four four zero in the forty. Okay, check that box. Um, it was interesting that neither Horn or Sertan did the three cone or shuttles. Um, you yeah. know that that that, that kind of says something uh, right mm-hmm. there about uh, both those players. Um, but Horn, the aggressive nature, the competitiveness that he plays with is it, it's a double edged sword. You love it. You know you 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 want your corners to be. Uh, you know combative like that but at the same right. time you need to be a little more disciplined uh you know jc horn's a type of corner where uh, as soon as the play is over uh, just 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 watch him he, he's looking for the official every single time and just to make sure <laughs> uh, uh flags not thrown. yep i've seen it that's just yeah that's just the way he plays and yep. you know what i'd rather have my corners um Play that way, uh, as opposed to being a little too passive. And I try to, you know, light a fire under him. So, you know, it's 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 not necessarily a negative. It's just something that you know it it needs to. uh, You need to add just a dash of discipline to his play style uh, once he gets to the pro level. So, like love both those players. I'm a big Greg Newsom fan as well. Uh, I think he's a route magnet. um, You know, six foot, 190 pounds, out of Northwestern, really good athlete. Um, You know, I wish he. Uh, would uh, turn some of those passes defended into the turnovers. Uh, you know, and he's another guy that needs to stay on the field, missed at least three games each of these three years at Northwestern. That's a, a little bit of an issue. Uh, and that brings us to Caleb Farley, who's probably the best talent that we have this year at corner. I, I think yeah. he's a legitimate top five, top seven talent in this class, uh, but the, the durability factor, uh, the medical background, the red, the red flags, there's no way right. around it. And, you know, the back stuff, it, that, that's, that's worrisome. And yeah. each team's going to digest it differently with, okay, where do you draft a guy like that? Uh, is it okay? If he falls to pick 18, that's where we feel comfortable. Or is it pick uh, 38? I, it, it, it's hard to know, you know, each team's going to look at it differently. So um, that, that Caleb Farley is just a really fun player, size, length, speed, his burst is special. Uh, and for a guy that never played corner in his life until 2018, pretty impressive ball instincts. So Farley is definitely one of those high risk, high reward types of players.
1: Yeah. And I mean, he's built pretty well I mean his, he's over 33 inch arms. I think that's ideally what. Uh, right. Rashawn looks-
3: Slater is pretty, pretty jealous of Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say Yes. Some of these tackles would like those arms, right?
1: I, sticking to Farley for a second. Um, where would you feel comfortable drafting him? Because to me, it fe- this feels like one of those situations that we saw a few years back with with Miles Jack and Jalen Smith, and everyone was projecting—well, not everyone, but there were quite a few people projecting those guys to go pretty early. And obviously, they had the injuries, um, their final years, and then they they found themselves drafted in the second round. Um, is there like a chance that Farley could also slip out completely out of round one?
3: Yeah, sure. There's a chance, and. I, I, I promise you I'm not trying to duck your question I just I don't know how to answer it because it's strictly on the medical staff and, it, and it's funny because this is the time of year, I shouldn't say funny but it's this is the type of year where or, uh, uh, part of the year part of the process where scouts are going to draft meetings and they're crossing their fingers and their toes that the guys that were in their area that they gave big grades to, uh, the the medical feedback is not coming back negative. uh, Because the medical feedback comes back bad, you just don't even debate it. It, There's nothing you can say. It's just they're they're off the board. You you can't fight for it. You can't pound on the table and say, you know, well, this, this, and this. He's off the the board.
2: I've got a guy I talk to quite a bit often. He's he's scouting right now in the league. And it it does set you back as an area scout where it's just, it's like a gut punch
3: yeah Uh, you do all this work on the player you you get to know him you you really like him you think he'd be a great fit with your organization and then you find out oh he's got a pre-existing shoulder injury that just uh, you can't do it and it that's it yeah it's a gut punch no question and with farley uh you know we're talking about a guy who okay he had an acl in 2017 missed that entire year um and then two back procedures uh you know he had the, the one most recently here in march which could keep him out for a good chunk of training camp. So you don't even know when he's going to be ready for the rookie season. Um, and that was the second back procedure. And it's the type of thing where those things never really go away. They just, it's probably going to pop up again at some point. Um, and it's anybody's guess when,
2: by the way, I know you talked to plenty of DBs out there and I've, I've spoken to a couple who, you know, obviously played in the league, played in college. And the, the back issue is big on any position. When you're backpedaling, though, right. at a corner spot, and yeah. you got to get low there, I've had back issues myself. I can't imagine at that age coming into that level of competition,
3: that being a lingering thing. That, that seems to be a major red flag. There's no way around it. Yeah, it is. And that's where, you know, teams have uh, the doctors and trainers on the payroll that will be able to tell them, like, you know, it's – it's something that will flare up again at some point in the next uh, two years or sometime in the next five years. I, I, I don't know. You know, it's, it, you, you have know. to take that into account and then it's up to the GM to decide, okay, what's our risk tolerance, you know, at what point in the draft is it worth it for us to, to roll that dice? And each team is uh, maybe, you know, a little bit different with their appetite for risk. Um, some teams will be more willing to take a chance on a guy like that in the late first uh, where other teams might say, just, you know, no way. We need a guy that, you know, we know is going to be there from day one. So it, it, it is a really tough conversation. I, I would not be surprised at all if uh, Thursday comes, it comes and goes and Caleb Farley's name is not uh, announced as a first-round pick. Uh,
1: I saw your mock draft that you released last week, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, you had Slater, Richie Grant, Tommy Trumbull, first three picks for Carolina, and I think it took uh, Shee Smith, the receiver from uh, South Carolina, the fourth round. Um, in general, though, I think this – these first four picks would be a home run if Carolina were to leave um, in the first four rounds with those players. But in general, um, what's a good weekend draft weekend for Carolina? If, if they're leaving with, let's just say um, you know, certain positions, or certain players, um, how do you, like, if you're saying a Scott fitter C, like what do you think is like the priority for this team to really improve of this next weekend? Well,
3: well, I think that you know you look at at left tackle, and you know one of the big reasons Sam Darnold did not work uh, in New York was the lack of protection, and mm-hmm. uh, you know you don't want to repeat that. Uh, we we know what Sam Darnold looks like when he doesn't have adequate protection; it's not a pretty sight. Let's get him some more protection. Let's feel, let, let's let's try to give him uh, an offensive line unit that uh, is going to put him in position to succeed and, and at least uh, you know have some success where we can accurately evaluate him for the future. Um, so left tackle definitely, I think it has to be a priority um, and whether that's in the first round or the second round, I think this is a, a draft where they can feel comfortable not having to force it in the first round. If they have a, a trade offer, they can't pass up then they could go for it. And, Maybe that means trading back for JC Horn. Maybe that means trading back for Christian Derisaw. Um, But I, I think that the, the Panthers are going to have options here, and, and that's uh, you know that's obviously encouraging. Um, I, I corner. Obviously, they need to get better um, on, on the outside. Uh, you know, and this is a, another position that's going to stretch. Where I mean, you look at a second round alone, and it's kind of crazy. Um, you know, uh, Asante Samuel, Elijah Molden. Eric Stokes, Tyson Campbell, the two Georgia uh, kids. That's uh, Kelvin Sickie. Joseph. Those are
2: some great second-round names, Dan. Yeah, uh, Aaron, Aaron
3: Robinson. Yeah. Uh, Melifon Wu. Yeah, I mean, it, there's, there's, there's legit six, seven, eight guys that are in that second-round range that, you know, probably one or two of them falls to the third round just because of numbers. Um, right. You know, and I, I think if you're the Panthers, You know, I don't you're going to feel good about maybe landing one of those guys at at a certain point. So, uh, you know, the corner is another position where you don't need to force it early. You you feel good about the position stretching and, uh, you know, waiting a little bit and getting your guy. We we saw them go so defensive heavy last year. Um, You know, it'll be interesting to see if that switches to offense this year with uh mm-hmm. offensive line help you know do they yeah. add another uh target uh <laughs> wide receiver uh i gave him tommy trumbull in my mock draft uh you know just adding that a guy that can maybe be an impact tight end um you know as much as i love um uh who, who's the kid from indiana uh and thomas yeah i i, I, I really uh, we all loved hopes him for him draft. yeah i know i i he, he flashes, just, uh, man. He know, flashes, but it's just right. Just That's can't it. get lo- you. Just can't yeah, get loose. I know he, he does enough where you just can't quite quit him. Yeah, yeah I'll pull or... film
2: cuts from Ian and I'll keep reviving the fan <laughs> base, saying, "Look at <laughs> this guy. Look at the separation." I, it right. Was his right. First camp, his first rookie camp, he was outrunning every linebacker and DB on the field. But when you get in the games, man, it's it's so much about you know game speed in the field. It's just it's not he's doing a bad job. It's just I don't think the
3: opportunities have been there either with this offense. Yeah. Unfortunately. And I don't, you know, it's not, you're not going to quit on him, but yeah, I don't think you, it's not going to stop you from trying to upgrade the position through the draft. Um, It's not a strong tight end group, but Tommy Tremble or Brevin Jordan or maybe Hunter long third, fourth round, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you consider those guys at those points. So, Um, I, you know, after going defensive heavy last year, I think it switches to offense this year in the first four rounds. Uh, unless you know that you look at corner, um, or you know, even though maybe even the right pass rusher could be there where they just you don't pass up a guy like that. Um, you know, if he's graded high on their board, so uh, the Panthers can go in a lot of different directions, and it'll be interesting if they do trade back uh, a little bit, if they pick up another two, they pick up another three. Uh, you know one of those day two picks Um, you know this is is something they could really build on and and upgrade both sides of the ball
1: yeah for sure Um, I just want to conclude here I know John has a couple more fan questions but I just want to quickly conclude uh, asking about you know the Carolina's division rivals who currently sit at number four overall the Atlanta Falcons Mm -hmm. Um, there seems to be a lot of momentum for Kyle Pitts going there is that what you're hearing as well
3: if they don't go quarterback and they don't trade back, uh, Kyle Pitts, I, I think is going to be the pick. But I think that uh, quarterback, it, it's still it, – it, I guess it depends on which quarterback is there. You know, who goes three? And then yeah. so which quarterback is left for them at four? That's part of the conversation. Um, but it would be awfully tough. I, I'm in the camp that they shouldn't pass on a quarterback. I mean, we just look at Sam Darnold. He had three dreadful years in New York, and he still – brought New York uh, back, what, a second rounder and two other draft picks. I mean, mm-hmm. as long as you have talent, don't pass on those talented quarterbacks. Um, and for Atlanta, Matt Ryan's going to be the starter the next year, year and a half, two years. Um, but, you know, to get one of these guys, I, I, it's too much to pass. I'm not passing that up. But Falcons might think differently. And with a first-year general manager, a first-year head coach, it's really tough to kind of figure them out right now um, but that, that's going to be a key domino uh, in, in the first round is obviously which quarterback goes three, but then what does Atlanta do at number four? That, that's that's, that's going to be really interesting. That sets off a chain of events that really uh, you know, plays out the rest of the first round.
2: Uh, we talked to Matt Bowen last week about this, day, and then Carolina's just going to have to be really agile in this draft, sitting at eight, because to, to your point, and then we made the same point last week, that so much action's going to happen. It's almost a guarantee that some, some crazy things are going to happen in this top five. Didn't quite go that way last year, but just, just so many dynamics mm-hmm. this year with quarterback that it does impact Carolina directly, which I guess brings me to one of our fan questions here. Uh, Horse wants to know, hey, look, and this is a very fundamental question here that's being asked by a lot of folks. Let's say Sewell and Fields are on the board at number eight. If, if you're Scott Fitterer, let's just pretend for a minute you are, hmm. who would you pick in that case and why?
3: That's a great question. Uh, you know, I'm going quarterback. I'm always going quarterback. And it's tough with Sam already in the mix. Um, so I get it. Uh, either way, I think this is a, it's, a, it's a good problem to have because uh, either you're going to upgrade left tackle or you're going to add a really talented quarterback to the mix. Um, so I think you can make an argument uh, either way. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take swings uh, and I'm going I'm to get the right quarterback and I'm going to figure it out. And, uh, you know, even with uh, picking up the fifth year option or, you know, it, it, it's still not something that would scare me from drafting a quarterback uh, if I felt like Justin Fields was the right fit for my offense. Uh, now, I don't think that's going to happen. I think more likely is they would go Sewell, which I think would be outstanding. Um, you know, I, I think to get a talent like that at the eighth pick. Would be uh, fantastic, and you know, give give Carolina that left tackle, uh, you know, for the foreseeable future, and give Sam Darnold, you know, no more excuses. Let's see, you got you got really impressive bookends at tackles. Uh, you know, it's it's time to go uh, make plays and see what he can do. Yeah, people say this
2: franchise is cursed by the Black Cat. It's not a curse, Dane. If you follow this team at all since 2013, it, it's been a really bad situation at left tackle, as you well know. Yeah. It's been a rotating door. I mean, they haven't had a stable guy there. They have to get that situation under control. I think I'm leaning in your direction. You can't turn out a quarterback, but, man, if you've got a franchise premier left tackle staring you in the face, and I guess that brings you back to a third dynamic here which is uh, Mr. Pitts from Florida. Uh, yeah. Carolina, obviously, if he's sitting right there, Matt Rule was at his pro day. They were bumping fists, uh, was recruited by Rule. He went to his football mm-hmm. camp. There's a picture out there where the thing Billy found. It. it was a Matt Rule camp T-shirt. At the end of the day, when you see Kyle Pitts out there playing, Billy made the comp that he just felt like a Mike Evans type of player. Who do you see when you see Pitts? Is he's just so unique
3: he's special and I'm not gonna be the guy that passes on special um, you know if he's there you take him and he's he is so unique he, he, he's a unicorn um, and you know you just you just look at him on paper and you're gonna get excited uh, you know when we talk about six five and a half, two hundred forty five 245 pounds 440 40 yard dash uh, 83 and a half inch wingspan like that alone should get you excited but then you watch the film and the film's even better yeah which doesn't seem possible but it is and it's not just physical, you know, the physical talent, the athleticism, but his hand-eye coordination, his uh, you know the ball skills, uh, mm-hmm. the reflexes are phenomenal. And it's not like he's just beating safeties and linebackers out there. Go right. on the Kentucky tape, and he's he's dusting Kelvin Joseph down the field. Exactly, uh, you know, a guy who could be a first round pick and is a four, three athlete. He's so, not just a box out uh, body. He's not just a box out type of guy. Like
2: no, Graham was that way for a while, I think, but it just feels like he's just a technician too. He, he runs routes like Ricky Pearl at times. He's so good at the route yeah. running side, but man, he's got that
3: Julius Peppers wingspan for weeks now. I'd love to see him in a Panthers uniform.
2: It'd be fantastic.
3: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I, th- there isn't like a great comp for me, Darren Waller in terms of role and the way that he's used. Sure. Um, you know, like I, Plaxico Burris might be like a, like a more athletic Plaxico Burris Good might be, you know, one of the closest uh, that you could come up with just because mm-hmm. of how, how long he is. And, but he's, he's a much better athlete than, than Plaxico was. So, you know, it's just, he's a rare, rare player. And that's why Atlanta number four is going to have a tough decision to make with a quarterback sitting there in their face. Uh, maybe one of these, uh, uh, you know, or a trade offer sitting there for them. Uh, but with pits right there, it'd be awfully tough to pass on him.
2: Dan Brugler from The Athletic joins us. We're wrapping up with him as he's been kind enough to take some time out of his schedule. No doubt a busy schedule this time of year. Talk a little draft with us here on the War Podcast. Uh, last question for you. It's about the quarterbacks in general. We all know Trevor Lawrence obviously is going to go to the Jacksonville Jaguars, barring some type of uh, remarkable draft day trade. You never know. Hey, you like you said, I think one of your tweets, it's the draft, so you never know. Uh, I will say it's this. A- these other quarterbacks that are in the mix right now, there is a wide range of opinions on – Mac Jones. Uh, the same could be said about Trey Lance due to some of the inexperienced lack of snaps. Uh, personally, I think he's fantastic because of the pro-style experience he has and just the, the way he sees the game. His football IQ, I think, is highly underrated. And then Justin Fields is, a, is just a mysterious case, I think. But, you know, a lot of mocks have seen yours. It, it, he, I wouldn't say he falls, but I think a lot of teams, it comes yeah. down to what they need in that moment, what fits their schematics. I, I see, Mac, in your mock, going to the 49ers and i'm curious about mac jones what what do you think kyle shanahan sees in mac jones who obviously had a great season a very accurate passer on the intermediate side of the field a very precise great processing but what stands out to mac that that you feel the 49ers
3: see in him the the best way i can maybe describe it is okay what are the two most important traits you want at the quarterback position it's accuracy it's decision making right right so You look at Mac Jones, you could, I think, make the argument he's better than Justin Fields or Trey Lance in those two areas. And so you just need to decide okay, is Mac Jones good enough in those other areas, you know, with mobility and arm strength and, you know, all these different criteria you're looking for the quarterback position? Because we know he has the top two that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, Kyle Shanahan, when you look at his offense and what he values, he values anticipation, processing, Mm -hmm. timing. And that's all that Mac Jones offers. And so is he mobile enough? Does he have enough arm strength? And if the answer is yes, then that's where Kyle Shanahan is going to give the edge to a guy like Mac Jones, who with the, just because of the way he processes and the way he can be accurate uh, down the field. So if Mac Jones is the pick at number three, I, I would not be surprised at all, because I think he is a very, very much so a Kyle Shanahan quarterback. Now, if they, if the 49ers decide to go Trey Lance or Justin Fields, I think I in my opinion, Trey Lance is uh the best the better fit than Justin oh. Fields. Um, I think then you're banking on the upside, you're banking on uh the uh just his unique uh combination of skills because he's a he's a big guy, six four, two twenty-five, uh, but he's a really good athlete, he's a big arm, really intelligent guy. And so you're really banking on his lack of experience, but the traits, uh, you know, being able to develop him. And I, th- I think he's going to be a really good quarterback, um, it, but it's just, it, it's I, I, what it boils down to is any of those three names could be the pick. And I wouldn't be surprised, which is really fascinating. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun on draft day, even though we know the first two picks, pick number three is keeping us all in suspense and I don't think this is like a smokescreen or it's not the 49ers just kind of toying with everybody yeah I, they're going to these pro days for a reason they're doing their due diligence uh yeah. on all these quarterbacks just to make sure you know they traded up from 12 to 3 with a specific quarterback in mind but now they're right. making sure right. their guy is their guy and has anything happened these last three weeks it changed their mind uh only they know that you know Kyle yeah. Shanahan John Lynch so uh, it, it's really going to see. It's really going to be fascinating to see it play out ultimately on uh, on draft night.
2: It's a lot to digest for for a lot of teams, a lot of fans out there. Dane Brugler, no no one better out there to break it down with us. He's a DP Brugler on Twitter, writes for the Athletic, does great work. i look at it, your 2021 NFL draft guide. I've been looking through it. It's remarkable. You sell the fans on it though. It's, it's, it's called the beast, right? It's a heck of a
3: book. Well, I, if you're interested in the NFL draft at all, I promise you, you'll, you'll not be disappointed. Um, I agree. Over 400, <laughs> yeah, over 400 reports uh, verify NFL verified pro day data for over 600 players. Um, and which I take a lot of pride in uh, with no combine this year, those pro day uh, numbers, very important to, yep. to get that, that data point in there. Um, and so, you know, I, it's it's a great resource to have on draft weekend, um, you know, not just the first and second rounds, but throughout the course of the draft, just to get a better sense of who each of these guys are. So uh, like I said, if you're interested at all in the NFL draft, 0% chance that you will be disappointed in, uh, in what this guide has to offer. Um, and it's free, uh, as part of your subscription to the athletic. So it's included in your subscription. Um, and you know, I, th- I think it's, uh, you know, a bargain at-, at that point, if you, if you sign up for a month, you sign up for a year, it- it's included. So, uh, hopefully people go check it out. I'm not just blowing
2: smoke here. We're good friends with Joe Person as well over here at The Athletic. It's some of the best reporting out there, long form, short form, and then this type of analysis. 2021 NFL Draft Guide, The Beast by Dane Brugler. Go to DP Brugler on Twitter, and you can find out more. It's right there on the top of his profile. Dane, this was fun, man. Thanks a lot for joining us on The Roar. You're going to have a busy couple of uh, days here, and I'm sure there'll be some stuff going on after the draft. Hopefully we can catch up with you and uh, do a little recap, man. Anytime. Take care, guys. Dane Bergler, right here on The Roar Podcast. We'll see you guys next time.